Welcome to Shelf Logic, the official podcast of the Maricopa County Library District. All right, hello everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Shelf Logic. Today we are doing crazy crossover comics. My name is Jeff. I'm a librarian here at Goodyear Library, and with me we have, let's go to Tim. Howdy, I'm a library assistant at the Litchfield Park Library. And last but not least, we have... I'm Glenn. I'm the library supervisor at the Fairway Branch. All right. And uh, so crazy crossover comics we're doing. Um, there was a time in my life where I was not interested at all in crossover comics. Uh, you know, they, kind of by their nature, they, they are often not canon. Mm -hmm. um, and so in... Some circles, they're basically official fanfic. <laughs> um, and so I wasn't always interested in it. I've changed my perspective over the last few years. How do you all feel about crossover comics, the concept in general? You know, I think I was kind of in that same camp as you. I'm like, this isn't canon. Why should I waste my time reading this? But frankly, they're just so much dumb fun sometimes that they're really hard to resist. Yeah, I... Um... I, I enjoy crossover comics. I, I love things like reading the 70s uh, comics with Shazam and Superman and or Captain Marvel at the time. And he uh, are they how they how they meld the worlds without really ever changing anything. I, I like the exploration of it. But for the most part, they're sort of like popcorn movies where you can take them. It reminds me of, like, you know, whatever, whatever sitcom, Futurama, et cetera, had that, the what if button, like, what if, and then, yes. blank, and, and it just gets, lets you live out that fantasy, and it's quite lovely sometimes. Yeah. And there's no consequences. Who cares if everyone dies? You just get to reset everything. <laughs> that's true. That's true. You can tell some, some really interesting characters if you don't have to worry about canon and some, some great stories. Um, if you're not familiar with crossover can comics or the concept, I think like the, one of the greatest examples is the Lego movie, um, where they just take everything and match it together. Um, and so, yeah, so we're going to look at four comics today. Um, we're going to look at a crossover between My Little Ponies and Transformers, one between Batman and the Ninja Turtles, uh, one between Archie and Predator, and uh, the RoboCop versus Terminator. So let's start with My Little Ponies uh, versus the Transformers. Um, what did you What did y'all think? Oh, yeah, just first of all, we chose this one. I mean, I picked this one or suggested this one just for the pure ridiculousness of that title. I mean, what What are the Transformers doing with My Little Ponies? I don't know. I needed to find out, <laughs> and I did. And I'm not sure what I expected, and I'm not sure how I feel about it. But it was possibly the most anime comic I've ever read because it's purely about the power of friendship and it's just great, really. <laughs> yeah, it um, it's definitely the most episodic of all of the ones we read because mm -hmm. the volume contained multiple individual like TV length episodes where you could you could easily see this being a fifteen minute block on a half hour show. And it's it's very interesting how they basically just go, we're going to pair up a couple of ponies and robots, and that's it. That's, yeah. that's the setup for each block. That's the premise. 
Absolutely. Yeah. I, you know, and also as a note, so growing up in the eighties, I watched the original Transformers and the original My Little Pony. Um, this comic is uh, the new generation My Little Pony and the new generation uh, Transformers, which is definitely a lot of fun. Um, but if you're looking for the eighties version, um, you know, things are a little bit different in this one, but yeah, I liked, I, I put that it was very personality centric. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're, they're, I think they're super light on plot, um, but there is a lot of like, oh, this would be a fun joke if these two people got together. Or like, what would happen if these two personalities like had to solve a problem? Yeah, that, I think that sums it up quite well. All right. Um, what do you think about, uh, like, who is this for? Uh, will fans or non-fans enjoy this? Uh, I think this is mainly geared towards fans of like um, My Little Pony because they're the first volume is the larger of the two volumes. It takes place entirely on Equestria and both volumes, the primary villain are My Little Pony villains. Uh, so I think it's it's more geared towards that, although there is a lot of fun stuff like my favorite Transformer is the Decepticon Soundwave and Soundwave gets a couple of highlight segments in both of them. So that was fun. Yeah, I agree with Tim. One of the things I was thinking about when I was reading this was like, does this feel more like Transformers or My Little Pony? And I definitely felt a lot more My Little Pony on that like kind of scale there, like left end to right end, just this nice little linear graph. It was pretty heavily skewed towards My Little Pony, I felt like. Yeah, I agree. I think this was as, as a very fluffy but fun comic, um, definitely geared towards like younger kids and fans. Um, if you don't know the personalities of either of these two um i don't think it's going to be as exciting or interesting for for you yeah i can't say i know a whole lot about my little pony myself but i do know a bit about you know um, the autobots and the decepticons so reading this was it was kind of an interesting thing i was like oh i recognize those autobots and then i was like who is this pony though but but then i was like okay i think i kind of find it yep it does feature sound way of getting funky so that is very true that's that's pretty great. <laughs> All right. Um, so uh, moving down. So we uh, beforehand we decided uh, to go in order of um, brutality. Uh, how brutal the comics felt. So the first one was very light and fluffy. Number two, um, we're coming up on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles versus Batman, um, and this one is a, a really has become sort of its own property. So there's three volumes in this. Um, and it also got adapted into its own animated film. Um, what did you guys think about this one? Who is it for, first of all? I'd say this one is this one's more a little more middle ground than the previous one. It's it's probably skews a little bit towards the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle side rather than the Batman, especially if your reference for Batman is like the recent Batman movies with Batman Begins and stuff like that, because those are a lot more darker. It's a little bit more of a, a campy Batman, I would say, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. I don't think that's necessarily out of character for Batman either, because that certainly exists in the comics. So just something to be aware of. Um, but no, I think it was it was a lot of fun. It's really great seeing like the Ninja Turtles just like idolize this guy who kicked their butt immediately, and there's like, well, this guy's awesome. <laughs> Let's hang out with him. Yeah. yeah I, I... Oh, go ahead. Uh, there's a scene where like the the first fight. 
um one of the turtles like runs into of course like a pizza uh store or something like that and it's like there's this crazy guy dressed like a bat who's trying to kill us all um and uh but then yeah they're like wow he's got he's got someone's like think fast and of course he dodges and they're like wow he did think fast (laughs) uh yeah i i think that it does a pretty good job handling batman and there's a great moment in the final volume where uh it's batman's always been part of a family and it, it really reaches into some batman lore and has great batman moments throughout but I, I think Glenn is right. It's definitely focused on the turtles a lot more, um, especially Volume Two, which is really mostly about Donatello. Yeah. Um, what did, What did you think of the story? Uh, was this Was this an in, a fun story that would uh, appeal to people who don't really know either of these properties, or is this just like like with My Little Ponies, is it just in place so that we can see cool people like interact together? I think if you had a, a rough understanding of kind of how superhero comics go or movies and stuff like that, I think you would enjoy this because it's the plot is it's something you recognize. Like there's an evil bad guy. He wants to take over the world. Um, it's a little bit more grand scheme than sometimes you get because it's a crossover. So you have to bring in multiple evil bad guys. And then the different evil bad guys want to try to, you know, screw each other over, which, of course they do, because they want all pie, they don't want to share that pie with the penguin, you know, Shredder's like, take that penguin, <laughs> <Get out of laughs> here. this is my city. Um, so, you know, we get that, and I think that, I think that's something that everyone can understand, and everyone can get behind that idea pretty quick and pretty easily, and then, apart from that, there's just a lot of really great, um, kind of, martial arts sort of fist-fighting action in there, and then it's, it's, it's pretty clean, it's pretty enjoyable. I uh, I definitely think that you can hand the first volume to somebody and be just like, this is a very fun comic. It's it's exactly what you think it is, uh, and you're you're able to just hand it off. the The second two volumes, as as Jeff said, leaning in, it's it's turned into its own property. So it's it's at much more serialized in the latter two volumes. Whereas the first one is just sort of, you can jump in and go with it. Uh, but the, the two sequels are almost directly connected. Um, and uh, the third one even involves like reaching back into DC lore with Crisis on Infinite Earths from the 80s, pulling out the anti-monitor and uh, the crisis towers. <laughs> uh, so that was fun to see. And if you haven't seen the movie, I highly recommend it. I feel like uh, it covers, it adapts the first volume, and I think it st- does a fantastic job of, like, staying true to the comic book um, and, yeah, really bringing the, like, lights uh, or the fights to a- to action, or and it just looks really cool. Uh, they did a great job animating it. Yeah, and I would say, like, on, on the struggles of these characters, because I feel like we see a little bit more struggle than we do in some of the others, like, especially with My Little Pony and Transformers, like, Batman's internal struggles with his past and, and dealing with his family issues, and then the Turtles' struggles with uh, potentially dying in this foreign world because they don't have access to the mutagen, like, you know, it, this feels it feels very real to me, it feels... It feels it was like it was handled well, and I feel like that's another thing that people who might not be familiar with these characters can still kind of immediately sympathize with and get. Yeah, yeah but they, there's the, there's just so many like fun moments too they throw in where it's like, oh, what it what would it look like if some of Batman's villains, you know, like got a hold of mutagen? Yes, 
Um, you know, like what would it look like to, you know, cause they, they both have the Batmobile and, you know, the, the turtle van, the party time van, um, like they Donatello and Batman both like invent a lot of weird stuff. And so they have these like moments where they're like, Oh, this just gels peanut butter and jelly go together <laughs> so well. And they utilize those. And there's also speaking of fun things, uh, Kevin Eastman comes back and works on a little bit of volume three. And we get the very, very fun uh, original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Mm. Yeah. And Kevin Eastman is one of the two original creators of the Turtles. And they're they're still in black and white. (laughs) (laughs) Very fun, noir-ish homage to the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And then that's very, very fun. Yeah, so I liked I liked that it was like it was an interesting enough story and character beats on itself, but then of course they just threw in all these fun fan service moments where it's just like, oh yes, of course I want to see you know Donatello geek out over some sort of like Batman tech, or uh, of course I want to see like what it looks like if you know the Joker takes some kind of mutagen or whatever. So yeah, it was great. Yeah, there's just really good moments in this for both for fans of both. So mm-hmm. yeah, they get some really good. Yeah. All right. Uh moving on. Uh next up we have AVP, which uh stands for Archie versus Predator. Um uh I know the first volume of this, it used to be on Hoopla, it no longer is, as far as I can tell. However, we do have the uh physical copy available, so you can put a hold on it and have it delivered to any uh, whatever branch you belong to. Um and then the second volume is still available on Hoopla. What did you guys think of Archie versus Predator? Tim, I'm going to let you go first on this one. I'm, I'm admittedly not not a huge reader of the Archie comics, so yeah. So it's it's interesting how much uh, both volumes pay tribute to the various versions of Archie throughout history. Especially the second volume really reaches back into some some Archie lore and discussing like uh, the various versions of the characters throughout history, including a, a little bit of a spoiler, including summoning Mr. Inferno to come <laughs> and save the day, which is, which is an interesting, uh, interesting choice for an ending and definitely a little out of left field, but it's both are very, very fun. And very violent, but very, very silly at the same time. Yeah, when you were reading or looking at the program description for this, you're talking about it, and we said that we're going to talk about Archie third in the order of most gruesome. You would probably <laughs> be like, hold on, Archie? Most gruesome? It's brutal. Like, you throw in the Predator in there, and this is a little bit of a content warning on this one. People are getting their heads ripped off and their faces eaten. So, yeah, it's it, it's It's dark. It is not, yes, it is not for the weak of stomach or heart. Yes. Um, and, like, and so the first one uh, looks a bit more like the classic Archie style. So, like, it's drawn kind of much closer to what you would, you know, imagine as, you know, like the, the 60s, 70s, 80s Archie comics that you can still get, you know, the digests of in uh, the store. Um, and then the second one is like much more modern. It's, it's really looks like I, they rebooted Archie not that long ago. And it looks like, uh, a lot closer to that. Um, 
a quick note that like the second volume um, is not something you can just like dive into and be like, oh, you know what? I, I don't have the first volume. I'll just check out number two. Um, I read the first one like a couple years ago. And when I picked up the second one, even I was like, wait, what? What is happening? What? What went on in the first one? Um, <laughs> because, yeah, like the second one is is somehow both a sequel to the first one and like at the same time a crossover with like different versions of Archie. Um, it's wild. It is really wild. What did you what did you think of how the second volume and, and where they went with that? Uh, so the second volume, like the setup for it is at the end of the first one, they're just going to go down memory lane and reset everything like they always do. And then they find memory lane closed. So they just start driving and they end up in a very modern version of Riverdale and everything's different, but also kind of the same. And I think that's the, the main thrust of the, the comic is that everything changes it's okay, and we'll kill them all the same. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't. I don't even know really where to begin on describing the first and the second because it's just like, like, all right, like, well, what if we took the the cast of Archie, and then we killed them all, <laughs> slowly, one at a time, while they're being hunted and fearing for their lives, and then they're then there's there was like, right, that was good. What if we do that again? Yes. <laughs> Um, I, I feel like the first one is very much a, a like, a B-horror movie. Yeah, and, and they reference, like, they're like, we're in, like, a B-horror movie. And, like, it's very, right. like, self-aware. It, it very much feels like that. The second one is, like, way more meta. Um, and, yeah, like, probably, like, I don't know, I'm not super familiar with the Sharknado series. Uh, mm -hmm. I know of it, and that is hilarious, but I, like, I feel like... That's a series where you do the first one and it's silly and it's wacky and you're shocking people. By the time you get to like Sharknado 6, um, you know, like you have to really start pushing out beyond the borders of like just the characters in the movie and like get wild with your references and, and do stuff like they do in the, the second Archie versus Predator. <laughs> um, where, yeah, they really are talking about like not just what's happening like in the comic but like looking at it from almost like a reader's perspective uh with a, a meta understanding yeah betty and veronica not understanding why readers don't like them or their universe anymore and being like what's wrong with us and then them moving on past everything else and the ending has them like moving to new york and stuff and that's uh I actually really liked the ending because it was like, yeah, no, it's it's fine. Things change. <laughs> and it's okay. Which is a weirdly upbeat ending for a comic <laughs> murdering a bunch of teenagers. Yes. Uh it got way more like deep philosophically than I was expecting a comic called Archie versus Predator to ever approach. <laughs> yes. Um, uh again. The comic is just filled with absolute, like, brutal moments, and both volumes. And yet, by the end of the second one, you're actually really rooting for the original Betty and Veronica, and you really want them to have a happy ending. 
So it does it does actually pull off telling a story while getting across this silly concept. Yeah. So so would you put this firmly like more for fans of Archie than of Predator or who who would you say this is for? I would say definitely more for fans of Archie, but at the same time all of your favorite characters are going to be killed. <laughs> but in a fun and interesting way. <laughs> Yeah. yeah um, it's like it's like this is the end of times and what happens. And you're like, oh, well, this is kind of curious, morbidly curious. Yeah. Go into it with a morbid curiosity. So yeah, what if you've never read Archie or seen a Predator movie? Like, will you understand anything at all? Will you enjoy this? I'm not so sure that you will. Especially if you've never even seen Predator, because you'll be like, what is this weird thing? Why is it killing people? Yeah, it's definitely uh, a more difficult recommendation if you're not already familiar with both properties. They do a good job of having Kevin Keller's dad um, like give you a quick summary of the Predator just in case you've never seen one. But other than that, you pretty much have to know some stuff about Archie. Yeah. Right. So you so maybe uh, if you want to check out if you've never seen the Predator check that out uh, from uh, the library on DVD I'm sure you can enjoy that um, and then I don't know watch some Riverdale and get get caught up to speed is that a good recommendation I think so although that that second one's kind of a tall order considering how much there is but <laughs> yes watching some Riverdale really gets you ready for the second volume the first volume not not quite as much. It's true. That's true, because the first volume is really more like super classical Archie just yes. getting uh, brutally attacked by an alien monster. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the, endings are, the endings are wild. I'm not going to spoil them, but both endings are um, not anything you would possibly expect from... That's very true. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, definitely. All right. Um, okay, so that was number three. Moving on to the fourth and most brutal of all the comics, um, RoboCop versus Terminator, um, written by uh, Frank Miller, um, who, uh, if you don't know, uh, he's he was the one who wrote the original comic for uh, that got adapted into the movie Three Hundred. Um, he also wrote the comic that got adapted into Sin City, which I think is two movies now, maybe. Um, so. And he wrote, like, The Dark Knight Returns, which is is kind of like one of the all-time greatest Batman stories ever told. Um, and he was called in to, uh, to write the story for RoboCop 2 and 3 um, back in the day. So, uh, so this comic came out in 1992. Um, after RoboCop 1 and 2 and Terminator 1 and 2 had been released. Um, just to kind of set the scene, what did you, what was your initial, like, impression of RoboCop versus Terminator? This one had a premise that it started off with that I was like, oh, well, that just makes a whole lot of sense. Like, they really, like, really dug into, like, the backstory and the history of both of these universes and then found a really interesting and unique way to smash them together. And it actually kind of worked for me. And I was like, oh, yeah, okay, I, I can take that. And then the way they just they handled the characters and stuff, I felt like it was just superb. Like, they were really true to the originals for both of them. So, honestly, this was this was a phenomenal read. Yeah. Uh, 
obviously Frank Miller is very, very familiar with RoboCop and RoboCop's future does lend itself really easily to the future that leads to Skynet. And so you, you can tie them together really easily and uh, they, they do it in a great way with uploading Murphy's personality and things like that. Uh, also, Walter Simonson on art, he is a, a legendary comics artist, uh, most famous for his run on Thor uh, throughout the 80s. And he has big, bombastic action. So even if the story, for some reason, like drifted off target, it, the comic is great to look at. And the action is beautifully done. Um, so yeah, the fact that the story is pretty tightly told and pretty, you, you definitely feel like this could be a movie that ties them together. Yeah. And the, the panels could easily be storyboards for it. Um, so I think overall, it's probably the most successful of the crossovers in my opinion. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, I I wrote um, you know, this one is almost for for everyone. Um, you know, it definitely helps to have some knowledge of Terminator and RoboCop. Um, I'm not the biggest RoboCop uh fan by any means. I probably saw it once or twice in the 90s. Um, and I I kind of like Terminator, but I again, I have not seen all of the Terminator films. Of course, only two of them existed in in when this was created, so that helps. Um, but yeah, I wrote that this, this one is for fans, uh, anyone who's looking for some like late eighties, early nineties nostalgia, like this nails it. Um, I, you know, there's some time travel as with any kind of Terminator, Terminator, uh, property. There's probably going to be some time travel in this one. Um, I felt like I was kind of traveling back in time with this one. Um, and, uh, anybody who likes like robot dystopia, I think will probably get a kick out of this as well. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, time travel, robots, robots fighting other robots, that kind of good stuff. Yeah, that's up for you. Yeah. Yeah, um, and I think another thing that people might enjoy about it is that this doesn't just sort of rehash the Arnold Schwarzenegger-style T-800. This features multiple types of Terminator T-800s, where a couple of them are little kids. <laughs> they just turn out to be uh, T-800s in disguise. And so it lends itself to this idea that, oh, yeah, no, they're actually very, very sneaky and very they can be anywhere. <laughs> uh, so it does expand upon the ideas a little bit more than I think even some of the movies have. Yeah, yeah, I thought that yeah. was really interesting, too, where there's, like, a mom and a dad and a kid, like, Terminator, like, ready to rumble. Um, yes. There's there's also, like, uh, so we I put this one as most brutal. Um, I Like, there's not, there's not as much, like, really gross, like, stuff. In uh, Archie versus Predator, you know, there's just, like, all kinds of stuff that I would never want to see. There's less of that here, but there's still some violence... Um, there's some like nudity, there's like naked people, there's no, you know, no actual like front shots or anything, but there's like, oh, there's a, cause Terminators, I think often travel nude. And so there's like some yeah. of that in there that you should be aware of. And just overall, I think the whole tone of this one is probably just the most bleak and dark. I mean, like at one point the character is just like, well, the only way to avert this horrible future is to kill myself. So that's, that's what we have to do. 
And yeah, to me, it's, it's just a very, it's a very dystopian book. Um, I think it it's actually behind maybe uh, Transformers: My Little Pony. Though there is this whole whole sense of like all it takes is one spark of hope, and that that sort of message is repeated over and over again by the Terminators, where they keep discussing why humanity keeps trying and they're like they keep hoping even to the end and you get the you get robocop who just has one little spark of humanity left but that's enough and that's enough to change the future yeah i i agree this one is like i feel like there's setback after setback after setback uh in this series um but every single time there is you know, okay, but what, you know, what do we do now? How can we come back from this horrible thing? Um, and, um, and much like, yeah, Archie versus Predator, you know, if it, it feels like it ends on an uplifting note, um, yeah. even though the whole, the whole long experience is like really um, depressing and difficult and um, yeah, makes you question um your humanity at times uh, at the end you know there is definitely a little more than just a spark of hope left yeah it's, yeah it's I, a, no, it definitely ends on a very high note which is kind yeah. of impressive. yeah it, it's a very um uplifting story at the end which was genuinely surprising because it is so dystopian for the vast majority yeah i i was happy with the ending <laughs> Um, and I agree. I I really liked the art on this. Um, even th even though, yeah, it's so old. You know, it's thirty years old now. Um, it's still. I think it holds up. It's really beautiful art. Um, it was probably. It's probably my favorite of the art styles we read. Um, with My Little Ponies being second. Um, but um, yeah, I really I really liked the art. What out of the four? How did you uh, feel about the art out of the four that we read? That's a good question. Um, I know. I think I do think that this one has just that kind of that classic comics era. I'm talking about RoboCop versus Terminator that really kind of appeals to this the specific story and action and kind of gritty noiriness that it's trying to convey. And I feel like it it really fits and does a really good job with that. Um, but then, yeah, like you were saying, um, the 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 My Little Pony one. Its art is just it's very clean. It's very modern. It's very easy to follow. So that is that was also very appreciated. Outside of possibly the the first volume of Archie vs. Predator, uh, I think RoboCop vs. Terminator's, Terminator's art fit it the best. Uh, I'm a I'm a huge Thor fan. I'm a huge fan of Walter Simonson, so it was a joy. For me. Um, I I really really enjoyed it. Uh, but the first volume of Archie vs. Predator, that's that's classic Archie house style art, and it. <laughs> It fits the characters so incredibly well that when there is gore and stuff, it's it's still somehow like done in an Archie style, and I don't even know how you do that. <laughs> and the the predator in Archie style that was that was something. Yeah, but I, felt, I, I also felt like it. It felt like the B, uh, you know, very much the B movie horror it was trying to be, where like it was gruesome and gory, but also like silly and you know funny at the same time. Yeah, like, the characters aren't taking things too seriously when, you know, people are getting their heads blown off next to them. They're just kind of, like, 
we should leave. Like, yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I think that's probably why uh, Robocop vs. Terminator is more brutal because the characters in Archie vs. Predator still feel light and still feel like bouncy, even in this most brutal, gruesome <laughs> of circumstances. Yeah, it's true. It's like even I I would never be able to watch like my friend get destroyed and, you know, evaporated into whatever and then be like, oh, man, let's get out of here and get some hamburgers or <laughs> uh, just shrug it, shrug it off like the Archie gang can yeah. do. At one point, somebody gets stabbed next to Veronica and her first thought is she needs a new dress. <laughs> and she's like i'm not going to be caught dead and <laughs> yep yep all right well so okay so I, it sounds pretty clear uh, that robocop versus terminator d- despite being i think the least interesting properties on paper was our favorite uh actual story yeah yeah, I'd agree. Yeah, you, you hear Robocop, you're like, oh, that's some old school 80s stuff, right? And then same with Terminator, really. I mean, I know they've done some recent stuff with it, but it's still kind of got that reputation. And the whole thing is also still old school 80s kind of action movie, but it's definitely worth your time. Yeah. All right. Um, before we go, I, I do have one last question for you all. Uh, what is your dream crossover? If you could have... Any kind of crossover, uh, and this doesn't just have to be, you know, a comic book story. What would your crossover be? Mm. Shall I? Shall I go first? Oh, please! All right. Uh, I think my crossover would. I would like to watch um, Star Trek, probably the next generation Star Trek. Uh, do a like live stream of them playing Dungeons and Dragons. Oh. Uh, you know, I would, yeah, I would love to see, like, Worf trying to role play, like, maybe some, like, wizard character or, you know, like, the compute robot data, like, trying to be some sort of, like, barbarian or, like, uh, morally gray thief. Like, I would love to just try and, <laughs> and watch them, you know, play off character and uh, and do their own little, like, D&D thing. And so, like, not not have a story, like, just, like, you know, Critical Role. Like, just watch them do an actual game, but, like, all in character as the next generation. Doing I, a second character of D&D. That would be pretty fantastic. Yep. So, no holodeck, just them. No holodeck, yeah. Right, yeah, yeah, exactly. Just them, like, pen and paper on a table. <laughs> uh, I think I... Mm, the crossover I want most uh, has actually probably already happened. Um, it's uh, DC versus Marvel. Mm. And we actually did get that. And it was uh, done by Kurt Busick and George Perez. And it is a very, very good comic that features some really iconic looking artwork and moments throughout it. Um, I absolutely love that comic. Uh, as a crossover, and it uh, it does have moments where particular characters meet up, and you do get a great shot of uh, Superman being able to lift Mjolnir, and that's that's a pretty tremendous comic book image. Yep. Unfortunately, they don't seem to like reprint that one. They don't. Uh, whatever agreement they have, 
I must prevent that because I would love to get a nice new like copy of it. So they're actually going to be reprinting it this year. That's exciting. A couple weeks ago, I believe. Oh man, I am on board then. So hot dog. All right. Well, for mine, I'll take the easy way out and we just, we need an official, like officially published, officially canon Goku versus Superman. We just need it in print somewhere so we can finally solve the age old question. Okay. Well, you know, if you just write it on Wattpad, there's a, a chance that it might eventually get turned into an official property, Glenn. That's so. true. <laughs> We're counting on you to uh, to bring us the fight that everyone truly needs to see. Everyone, everyone wants it. I don't know why it hasn't happened yet. Yeah. I mean, just make it. Just make it, people. Come on. Right. I mean, I mean, Goku would win, though, right? I mean, yeah, of course. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Tim's shaking his head for those. Who Tim does not dis- does not agree with us, but <laughs> we'll we'll save that debate for another day. That's just a whole other entire series of podcasts, probably. But um, all right, well, thank you, uh, everyone, for listening to us again. Uh, all of these comics um, are available through MCLD. Um, almost all of them you can get on Hoopla. Of course, the first Archie you can get um, in print, um, and uh, and uh, I think at least the Batman and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are also available um, in print. And then of course the movies, um, I think you can get both on DVD or Blu-ray from the library. So uh, definitely check those out um, and let us know what you thought. Uh, I would be interested to hear what other people's favorites are as well. Absolutely. Thank you everyone for watching. Thank you for listening to Shelf Logic. Make sure to hit subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Follow us on social media where we are at MCLDAZ.